Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. Today, courtesy of one of our returning regulars, I've been inexplicably drawn towards the letter B, as Rick Lawler, Vision on Sound's very own foreign correspondent, well he now lives in Canada but still has a liking and an enthusiasm for the British television that he used to enjoy when he was growing up over here, which we always enjoy sharing suggested that he might like to discuss one of the shows, Boone, that he is currently delighting in rediscovering via a streaming service that he has access to over there. To be honest, Boone was a show that I did used to watch, at least for a while when it was first on, but as is often the way of such things, it's so long since I thought about it that I'd almost forgotten it even existed. Boone was made by Central Television for the ITV network and lasted for seven series between 1986 and 1995 and clocked up an impressive 93 mostly hour-long episodes during this surprisingly long and successful run. The series starred the popular actor Michael Elphick, who had become a familiar television face through appearances in Dennis Potter's Blue Remembered Hills, and Jack Pullman's comedy drama Private Schultz, as well as playing McGowan in the first series of Alfie Zane Pet, and was already starring alongside Angela Thorne and Lisette Anthony in the popular sitcom Three Up, Two Down for the BBC when Boone came along. Also starring in every episode of Boone was the veteran character actor David Dacre, who has had a long and distinguished career appearing in just about everything you can think of, but might be best remembered to listeners of this show for his appearance as Iron Grom opposite John Pertwee's Doctor Who and Rig alongside Tom Baker half a decade later, as well as playing Captain Nathan Spiker in Richard Carpenter's Dick Turpin series. Boone also provided an early major television role for Neil Morrissey, who would later gain a much greater level of fame in Men Behaving Badly. And, as is sometimes the way with these things, once we'd sort of run out of things to say about Boone, not least because Rick's rewatch was still happening when we were talking, and we didn't want to spoil the later series for him, our conversation moved on to talking about a show that we really must cover in far greater depth some other time, Alan Plater's Sublime Beiderbecke trilogy, which starred James Bolam and Barbara Flynn as a pair of school teachers in 1980s Britain investigating the small injustices and annoyances of modern life in a whimsical and witty slice of Yorkshire television noirishness that we here on Vision on Sound really cannot recommend highly enough. So there we are then, Martin and Rick discussing a right pair of bees. I'll leave you to write your own punchline to that one. I couldn't possibly keep you waiting much longer for something as delightful as that now, could I? Let's crank up the old Fab Radio International time engines once again and head back to the 80s and see just what the drama departments of the ITV regions based in the Midlands and the North were getting up to outside London. Thank you. 
Welcome back, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Lovely to be here. Seems like forever since we were talking last. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so how have things been in the intervening time? Ah, been reasonably okay, you know, ticking along nicely. Okay, so you have suggested... Well, you've suggested a couple of shows today, so we, we might, yeah. we might yeah. cover both. We might, we'll talk about one and see how far we get, and if we run out of things to say about one, we'll, we'll maybe move on to the other. Okay, so, uh, sounds we good. seem to be getting, I'm getting the letter B. I'm getting the letter B is, is quite significant in, in these two shows. Yes, it I is. I don't know why. <laughs> There's a connection. So you, want, you want to talk about two of your favourites, one of which is one you're currently watching, which is Boone. Yes. Michael Elphick Vehicle. And yes. the other one is the Bider Beck. Affair, Connection, Tapes, the Beck trilogy, really. Yes. So yes, uh, do you have a preference as to which you'd like to talk about first? No, I'm, I'm quite happy to go with either. Huh. On those. Ah. Um, Can we flip a coin? Uh, let's, let's go with Boone. As I say, Boone. we'll start with that because I've been watching mm -hmm. that one recently. Okay, okay. So uh, with the advent of BritBox to help me with that, mm -hmm. I discovered that Boone was on there and I, I recall really enjoying that back when it was on live tv and i thought it would be lovely to revisit it and and sometimes you revisit these shows and and they can be oh dear not quite how mm. i remember it but i've, I've been watching boone i've uh, i'm almost at the end of the second series now mm -hmm. and i'm absolutely loving it I, i'm just thinking this this seems even better than i remember so oh, um, yeah, I, I've really been enjoying it. So when was Boone actually on television? It was on from 1986 to 1995. There were seven Christ series altogether. Not... 93 episodes, would you believe? I didn't realise it was quite that many, to be honest. So, <laughs> well, that's why you didn't. If you'd bought the box set, you'd be watching it till the year next Tuesday or whatever. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, normally with uh, these hour-long shows, there's, there's usually about six in a series, and so mm. obviously they did a lot more in a series back then than they do with them these days. Are you naturally a binge watcher these days, or do you save them and watch one, or say one a week, like it would have been? In, no, I, t I, I I'm often watching probably up to about four to five different series and right. then i'll sort of jump between them but uh, what i've been doing of late is is trying them you know on, with the children to see which yeah. which you know if they're interested in either of them and i'm finding that my, see what sticks. my son and i tend to have quite similar tastes in a lot of shows yeah. um and so some shows we end up watching together so you know we can only watch it when the when the two of us are around so mm. i don't see those so often boone is is, is has, has become very much just me watching it, so I can watch that when I wish. So, do you, is there? And, and I hesitate to say that, but uh, as uh, regulars will know, you're mm -hmm. you're based in Canada. Yes, that's do you, right. Do you feel there's a nostalgia for the old country in watching these shows, or is it? Oh is it yeah, not, the, the, is it the, just the, that they're entertaining shows? It's both. It's nostalgia yeah. for, for the England I remember. Um, which probably doesn't exist anymore, but uh, the England I recall growing up and in, in England. But, so it's yeah. it's based in Birmingham, isn't it? Uh, yeah, the the first. The uh, I seem to remember the first four series were based in Birmingham, and they were filmed in right. Birmingham and Edgbaston. Right. And then they they moved it to Nottingham for oh, from okay. series four to series to the end of series seven. Okay. 
Do you have any sort of connection with the Midlands at all, particularly? Or I did live in, we did live in Nottinghamshire for about right. three and a half years. I lived in Nottingham for probably, oh, I can't really remember now, probably six, seven months in right. Nottingham itself. And then... At about in, the time this would have been on television? Uh, no, this this would have been later. This, later. this would have been after it was on television. But then my, uh, that's because my girlfriend at the time was living in Nottingham. That's how I ended mm-hmm. up living in Nottingham and then we we moved to Ravenshead which is sort of about 20 minutes 25 minutes a little village north of Nottingham and uh, I think that's where we eventually got engaged and married and and that girl uh, the girlfriend of that time is my current wife Oh, and uh, that all worked out then. So, so that worked out very well. <laughs> but yes, so that's my connection to Nottingham. Yeah. So, shall we briefly give a resume of what Boone is actually about? Which is well, Michael Elphick vehicle, isn't it? Yes. I mean, as I say, I, I'm, I'm motorbike couriers, I believe. Only up to the second, you know, second series yeah. at the moment. But it starts. I mean, they start off. It's it's him and his friend Harry Crawford. Uh, they're mm-hmm. both firemen. And Harry retires from the fire brigade and Ken, Ken Boone, the main character played by Michael Elphick, he, in the first episode, he's still, they're still firemen. He goes in to rescue, I can't remember, I think it's a child from a burning building. Yeah. And he's so, you know, when they arrive on the scene, he, he's so sort of desperate to get the child out that he rushes in without wearing the breathing apparatus that he's supposed to put on and of course he ends up in hospital and that he gets you know retired out on health reasons yeah Yeah. so that's that's sort of our hero is a hero yes yes yes. so that that's sort of the pretext to where they get started from so Harry being the sort of much more sort of entrepreneur, businessman character. This is David Dacre, isn't it? David Dacre, played by David Dacre. Yeah. yeah, very very big fan of David Dacre's work. Mm. He's done a lot of lot of stuff. Great character. Actor. One of those you're one of those ubiquitous actors, isn't he? Yeah, sort of all appears in all sorts of things. So he buys a fairly run-down sort of hotel called the Grand Hotel, which is a small run-down hotel at the time. He invests his money in that, and Boone buys basically a field, which he wants to turn into the Ponderosa. Okay. As a market garden. Right. And so the first series, that's really the focus of the first series. So in order to, I mean, he, he doesn't, you know, once he's bought the land and, you know, he ends up living in a porter, converted porter cabin, mm. he, he doesn't have any money. So Harry places this ad and that, that's kind of the, the pretext to that first season is, uh, and right. the ad reads something along the lines of, you know, man available, anything, anything legal considered, something along those <laughs> lines, you know, like an odd job, you know, any job. And he does all kinds of ridiculous things in the first series, just to earn some money. But I think, you know, one of the things that became, you know, re-watching this series, one of the things I found quite common, particularly in the first series, is he mm. he seems to end up getting either beaten up or in some kind of an accident right. almost every single week. And you, you start okay. to feel really quite sorry for the poor guy. It seems to rub people up the wrong way well, somehow. Well, no, it's, it's, I think what, what surprised me is, is, is you know, and I guess this was this is in the eighties. It's surprising just how many villains there were around and dodgy characters <laughs> that seemed to be. So always... A lot of people had to make a quick book, but you see, well, this yeah, is the thing. Sort of running protection rackets, and if you try and be noble, you're bound to come a cropper. Exactly. You know, there's a, there's a, you know, 
each episode there's people trying to run protection rackets or you know trying to extort money and it's like really was birmingham really so full of dodgy people at that time oh, and probably you yeah. know he gets his bike <laughs> nicked three or four times in the first series and then so, so he is a motorcycle gets... courier in the first series no no he, he has the oh, bike just has a bike right. yeah it's a bsa because the series is is all focused around that there's this loose cowboy theme Right. You know, with the, the whole high hole silver, the theme tune by Jim Diamond. Yeah. And the character of Boone loves reading Western novels and things. So okay. he has this, you know, classic 1960s BSA motorcycle, 650 mm-hmm. motorcycle, called White, which he calls White Lightning. And in the first series, it's constantly breaking down or he can't get parts for it or, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of things. But he uses that to get from job to job. So yeah. in the first series. And then at the end of the first series, Harry, by this point, has invested and he's done up the hotel to such a point. Uh, and, and the Ponderosa Market Garden doesn't really take off because right. rather sadly at the end, just as, just as he's actually starting to make some ground with, you know, he has these three or four sort of corrugated greenhouses on on the land and he's got all his stock ready and these three kids break in i think in the last or either the last or second to last episode these three kids break in and they turn on all the sprinklers and they knock all the plants and completely destroy his whole year's crop so he uh, he's so frustrated that what is it about kids and greenhouses in in 80s dramas it's it's (laughs) yeah because you know he kind of makes it up with the kids because the kids didn't mean to they just didn't realize what they were doing. So at the end of that first series... Yeah, I'm just fascinated because Our Friends in the North has, has a scene where that happens, and so does oh, the really? Bidepick, of course. <laughs> yes, with the greenhouse, with uh, yeah. Big Big Al's greenhouse, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So it's, just, it, it it's just a fascinating sort of theme that's... I sometimes find these obscure themes that start to connect things together. And it, that, it, there, does, it does sort of fascinate me in that way. There yeah. is this, this kind of interesting connection... Yeah, so... first series of things though are always a bit unusual, aren't they? Mm. I think sometimes they are done as a six-part mini-series, and yeah. and on some channels it's like, oh, that was popular. Can we have some more of those, please? Yeah. So Boone comes back a year later. So he comes back a year later, and you know Harry at this point he's sold the grand. I th- I, mm. I I I think in the story he's supposed to still own the grand, but you never actually mm. hear it mentioned or see it. Or, ah, so I, yeah, <laughs> so I always wonder whether he did actually sell it or whether he owns both. It's difficult to tell, but it always felt like he'd sold it. And he buys the coaching in, um, which okay. Ken comes in. You know, he sells the Ponderosa of the land, and he comes in as a as a sort of a smaller partner into the whole yeah. thing. So he then sets up the Texas Rangers that operate ah. out uh, out of an outbuilding there, where he, he has a flat above. Yeah. And so that's sort so that's the format from that's now on. That's the format right? from now on, and that that okay. carries through really until I think uh, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on this, but I think it carries mm-hmm. through to about series four or five, and then right. then they uh, I think eventually Harry ends up buying a plaza dance room as well as the grand, and then I, I think doing uh, well out of it. Then. And then as as the series progress, he sells the grand and the plaza, and they end up buying land. I think this is when it moves to Nottingham, and they right. they buy and they become partners in a security firm right. where they run a security thing. But the main focus, and and I think I think the thing I remembered particularly was the Texas Rangers 
era right. part of it. And that's that's sort of the bit that I'm on now, which introduces mm. a character of Rocky played by Neil Morrissey mm-hmm. from Men Behaving Badly, a very early role for him. Yeah. And so he that, plays... So this is... He's not in the first series at all? Though. No, he's he comes in yeah. into the second series. Okay. And he's in from the first episode because he's working mm-hmm. for one of the rival motorcycle dispatch companies mm. who tried to bully Boone out of business. And, of course, he doesn't approve of that, so he tries to help Boone, and then Boone ends up giving him a job, and that's how he comes into the series. Right. And one of the things I, I did discover in this and is, is there's some really quite fabulous British motorcycles used in the series. <laughs> I'm, a fan. I'm not a motorcycle fan, but I do have a, a, an interest in you know, it's not, engineering. It's, it's the fact that they're proper old British motorcycles, mm. I think, that I find interesting. And I think if there were still motorcycles like that around, I would probably have an interest. But because, you know, they're, they're not anymore, I, I don't tend to have you that You'd have one in interest. your living room that you dismantled from time to time. And uh, possibly, them. yes. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like, I like the idea of them. I don't think I'd want to ride one, but I like the idea right. of, of, of them. But is there, a, is there a big motorcycle community in Canada? Is it, is it a big part of the culture at all? Yeah, there is a lot of there. You know, motorcycles are quite popular here. Um, I mean, are are the roads as sort of you know? I know you get the sort of the two lane blacktop across the United States, but I just thought, is is Canada got the same kind of sort of relationship with the road? Oh yeah. Or Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah, certainly. Or I always think it might be more windy and hilly and treey. Well, no, there's lots of mountains and trees, but there's lots of long roads that seem to go on on and on forever and ever. And, and there is a culture where people sort of hop on a bike and... Oh, definitely. And... Oh, certainly, yeah. certainly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, just, just here on Vancouver Island, mm. most of the population live in sort of southern Vancouver Island, but there are, mm. you know, there are obviously places in, in northern Vancouver Island, yeah. but they're much more sort of townstead-type places, yeah. small, very small communities, wooded. And, you know, and, and there are parts like, uh, you know, we've actually, we did a road trip all the way to the north mm. of the island a few years back. Mm. Uh, and there's one particular road where, you know, you, you leave the last town sort of midway mm. up the island, and then you can drive for four hours through wow. on a strong, straight road that just stretches forever surrounded by trees on each side for four hours and you see nothing but trees until you get to the next next you ever get tempted at the end of a particularly nasty day to just hop in the car and drive for four hours (laughs) no not really (laughs) fair enough no petrol stations no petrol stations nothing four hours of just (laughs) empty road and trees and the occasional elk or moose crossing. So I are, are you uh, is Ken Boone a dreamer, do you think? Is he the kind who would sort of hop on his bike and head off to the wild blue yonder or Yeah, I think I think he is that, that sort of character. He, he's much more he comes across in the series as being the, the, the guy more with his feet on the ground. Yeah, you know, yes. he's the level headed. This is what I was gonna say to you, is Harry is Harry generally one of these businessmen who all his ventures fail, or is he actually a successful because he, he seems to be able to buy these these hotels so he must be doing all right out of it but he is does. he actually I'm, I'm kind of it, it's weird because strangely enough with this letter b thing we've got going yeah. on i'm kind of thinking of charlie hungerford and bergerac if you see ah, I mean. yes. is that is that relationship 
it's kind of similar. It's not dissimilar to that. I mean, they're, they're best friends and, and they do mm. row from time to time. But then right. Harry usually backs down and says, oh, you know, I, oh, I should have listened to you because he, he's the mm. one who gets hot headed. And then, of course, Ken is trying to say something doesn't feel right about this. And of course, mm. he's saying, oh, you you know, you just got no no spirit or, you know, you, you mm. don't know about business, that kind of condescending thing. And then usually it's Ken's usually right. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, so, so some of his schemes don't always go off terribly well, and some of them do, but he is always on to the next thing, next thing, next thing, uh, his character. I think. And, uh, he's a remarkably successful actor, Michael Alphick, wasn't he? I mean, he's, mm. uh, um, Private Schultz is, is a bit of a classic. Yeah. But uh, this the sitcom, was he, was, he in, was he in Three Up, Two Down, was that? Was that yes, he was. he was, he yeah. was, with, um, oh, what's and, uh, no? thing, yes. One of the things I did find, which which you might find interesting, a couple of little snippets of possibly not such well-known information about Boone, that Boone, the actual TV series, it was actually inspired by an American 1957 series called Have a Gun, Will Travel. Right. And the main character in that, this is, this is what inspired the writers uh, to, who created the series. The main character in that series, that American series, was called Paladin, and it was played by Richard Boone. Oh, so okay. they took the E off, and that's where they got the name Boone for the series from, as the main character. Right. But, of course, instead of being on a horse, he was on a bike. And that's oh, okay. that was where the, the the interesting thing about that there. But the one of the ironies was is Michael Alfect hated riding the bikes in the series. He was actually quite scared of motorcycles. He thought they were really dangerous, and he oh, okay. really disliked having to ride them in the series, <laughs> which is kind of interesting for a, a series that's set all on motorcycles. Yeah, so so what, they're, they're there, they're, they're coming up with it. So, Michael, what's the like, thing you'd least like to do in the next series? Well, I really don't want anything to do with motorbikes. Brilliant! Motorbikes, that's what we'll do. What? So, Less him. Yeah, so that, that's a really interesting little sort of background fact there. But, yeah, and they did have some, you know, there's a, there's a couple of episodes where you know, I think there's one, there's an episode in series two where it's focused on a character who was an ex-TT racer. Okay. He's a, a Lord of the Realm and I've fallen on hard times. And, right. of course, he's, Ken's trying to save, save his you know, home from being repossessed. Mm -hmm. and discovers in the basement that he's got this extensive collection of absolutely pristine classic British motorcycles, like 50 right. or 60 of them in mint condition, you know, lurking in the basement. Uh, and, and you get to see some really, you know, they, the camera sort of really does get to show you yeah. some of the some of the amazing This is, this is motorbike thing. porn, basically, isn't it? It, this it is, is like, really. If you, if... Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's like, you know, they must have... You know, to to put together that just for the just for the show. That... Was there any? I don't know why you would know this, but was there any connection because the National Motorbike Motorcycle Museum was in Birmingham, wasn't it? So I, it's I a do big wonder. I do wonder. They must have got the bikes for that particular episode. Yeah. Must have come from there because I can't see where else they would have got a collection like that together. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a number of really quite nice motorcycles. You know, British. There's Nortons and BSAs and Triumphs and things that are actually featured in the series, and it's quite nice yeah. to actually see them being used. Did it play well on its Midlands heritage as a show? I mean, oh does yeah. It, does it? Yeah. Does it feel it's, like it's, a Midlands show? It does. Yeah, I mean, some great accents in the show, hmm. but yeah, and some 
you know, in, in a similar sort of way, I don't know if you, and I know we're going off a tangent a little bit here, but this is what we do, yeah, don't in worry. a similar way, um, do, do you remember the series Life on Mars? Oh, yes. Now, you know that because that was set in the 70s when they did the outside, you know, car chase scenes around the derelict yes. buildings, they actually filmed that in the Midlands. Although right. it was supposed to be in London, it was actually filmed in the Midlands. Mm. And in Boone, there is a lot of those same kind of, you know, empty warehouses, you know, mm. disused factories. Features yeah. a lot in the Boone series because there are occasional, you know, there's there's a great uh, motorcycle chase in one of the episodes. And there are various other chases, you know, where they're going backwards and forwards to, you know, in some of the other episodes. And you do see a lot of those kind of big empty you know, buildings and industrial buildings. Mm. But one of the other things I find quite interesting is, and again, very period, is the amount of really scruffy looking, slightly iffy, dodgy back street garages that almost look like scrapyards. But there were, yeah. were in fact garages, you know, where he has to get spare parts from from time to time. Or, you know, in one episode, I think he gets his bike stolen in one of these dodgy garages, you know, with a sort of, you know, brick wall and, and two, mm. two ratty looking wooden gates that swing open mm. and, and almost a hand painted in, in, a, in, you know, with an old paintbrush sign, you know, <laughs> you know, blogs and sun or something like that, you know secondhand bikes and stuff like that. it's 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 there was a lot of that featured in the series and you just realize just in a way how declining birmingham was oh, during that well, time yes i mean i mean I, I know there's a lot of drama set around the decline of heavy industry mm. in, in the midlands generally. yeah well what fascinates me again if you watch a lot of 70s and 80s television when, when you've got color you actually you get to see an awful lot of I mean, it was so brown and beige, and mm. the buildings are so filthy. Mm -hmm. If you watch the early seasons of Last of the Summer Wine, everything's filthy. Yeah, and there's, and I think in the nineties there was this sort of massive scrubbing up, and that won't last. It'll all go to Helen Hancart again, I'm sure, fairly soon. But but suddenly everything gets very polished and clean in the sort of second half of the eighties. It's, but the but yeah, the certainly with the decline in industry and everything like that, there's an awful lot of shows with backdrops of the shipyards. You know, after after all the shipyards closed and but all these factory spaces that are just were wiped out by various policies and and of course perfect background for all sorts of, of filming of tv shows i mean if you're a big fan you can actually start you can start looking for uh, <laughs> the same factories and the same wrecked ruined buildings turning up in in many shows they become like old friends when they turn up sometimes oh there's yeah one particular yeah. one there's one that turns up in blake seven that also features a lot in softly softly and things like this you know it's just ah that place yes mm. things all been cleared now and, and developed but back then you you just get these wonderful wonderful old knackered warehouses yeah Director's yeah. dream, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, they're quite—they're just perfect for some of these settings and and scenes. Atmosphere, but um, yeah. yeah, it does create a great atmosphere. But it does kind of—it's also very reflective of just how run down Birmingham was back then. Mm. You know, and uh, it, it's it's quite interesting to just just to see that. So, what but, is it you um, think that that particularly appeals about Boone? I mean, now now that you've started watching it again, and you think, and you because because I mean, sometimes you you do you watch something at random and you think, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, that was rubbish and you set it aside and yeah. you never see it again. But what was it that made you think, I'd like to see more of this? Is it the characters? Is it is it the setting? Is it just the storyline? Or is it, I mean, is it something about those actors? 
Um, I think... Or a combination. I think it is sort of a combination. Mm. I think, for me, the, the, the there's a certain nostalgia to it. Mm. But I also think that Boone is is this wonderful underdog character that mm. you, you just want him to, you know, to do well. Right. And the, the plots can be quite tangled. You know, mm. I found one of the, you know, there's this like plots within plots going on in, in, in each episode and, and yeah. it becomes more increasingly tangled until the right. threads start to untangle towards the end and, and, and oh, it's okay. they have quite complex storylines in, in some so there ways. So there's actually a running thread throughout the series? Yeah, there, there's also a thread running behind, you know, sort of behind each episode that links all mm. of the uh, the episodes for each series together as well. Mm. But it's um, and and you kind of you know you've got these two best friends together and you know and they almost but not quite do as well as you know they they should be and you know mm. and and you're always kind of you know Boone is always the underdog character to mm. to to Harry Crawford and, and you're always kind of hoping that he's going to do a little bit better but mm. there's also the, there's this great sort of chemistry between Michael Elphick and Neil Morrissey and Leslie Ann Sharp who plays Debbie uh, who, who I was going who to ask runs, you what, is it a, is office. it that male or, or is there an actual is there a female presence in the series Yeah they in in the in the first season they had Rachel Davis who mm. who is who, who kind of comes with with the grand in in a way and right. she becomes harry's financial advisor and okay. then eventually you know her and boone end up having a relationship through mm. sort of on-off relationship through the series yes which peters out towards the end because of course boone you know is is very focused on what he wants to do and she wants mm. to do something you know settle down and and that's not where he's going so yes. they that kind of ended there and then I think in a way they brought in Leslie Ann Sharp, who's quite young in this, as the sort of rebellious housemaid in Harry's hotel, who Harry mm. is just struggling like anything with. And Boone likes her because she, mm. you know she doesn't; she's not conventional or conformist. Mm. So he, he he quite likes her, and he offers her a, a position, sort of manning the radio for the mm. dispatch riders, and she becomes quite a main character in it. And then. Mm. When Rocky joins, there's this sort of fun chemistry between her character and his character. I mean, they on the surface they seem like um, very close friends, but Mm. there's always this kind of you know, every time he he meets somebody or she meets somebody, they seem to be quite jealous of the the other Mm. person, but they never seem to create a relationship between the two of them. Mm. If you see what I mean, yeah. Is it? Would you say though it's a very blokey show, or is it? Is it more more family, more um, more diverse? Than I think family? I think there's a sort of a balance to it. There are a lot of female characters in the show, you know, mm. and any each week. Are they are, well served are, by the plots though? There, there's, yeah. yeah, there's some stronger female characters in it, and and I think the character of Debbie is quite a, you know, she's very outspoken, and she's not somebody you can just bowl over easily no. she tends to boss you know boone around quite a lot considering yeah. she's someone that's supposed to be working for him mm. so yeah th- th- i think there is a balance there but yeah but it, it, it's, it's just that there is there's very much there is the tradition of the 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 male bonding drama isn't there because you yeah. have minder and to yeah. extent, the sweeney and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing and i just wondered if if it was you know if you were going to stick it in a pigeonhole would you say it was a buddy bloke's 
program really or, or probably or, yeah yeah i mean it's it's 80s so yeah, yeah. It, it's you know all bit unreconstructed the perhaps. primary characters are generally male in it but yeah. um there are some interesting female roles in it and there are some strong female characters in it who who push push the guys around which uh, yeah. which is good it's always good to see yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah do you feel that there's a you can see the star quality in Neil Morrissey watching it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean he, he's you can see why he had the career he had. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's he's quite a different. I mean when you think of I mean around this sort of time, you know those he he was doing this, but he was I'm I'm not exactly sure of the dates because I don't have them here in mm, front of me. Sure. But he was probably a, a very near to that time also doing Men Behaving Badly. Right. So. You know, towards the end of that, so mm. you know, and and very different characters. Did he stay with the show to the end? Then did he stay with Boone? I'm not sure because I haven't got right. to the to I the last times yeah. yet. <laughs> I can't. I I I can't remember if he does stay through to the end. I think he does, but I'm I I couldn't swear to it. But I I, I did. I mean, I was thinking the other thing that because when you mentioned Boone, for some reason it itches the back of my mind. I keep thinking of Lovejoy, and I don't know why. It's, is hmm. it again? It's, it's that trio of of yeah, ducking and diving characters, yeah, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a similarity with Lovejoy mm. and Boone. It's. Do we think there's a in in that era though? Do you think that that is kind of the way sometimes television companies worked? You know, they thought, oh well, they've had a success with that. We need something a bit like that. Or, or do you think sometimes it's just there is a kind of zeitgeist thing, and these things get created remotely from each other, and it's a coincidence. Mm. I feel sometimes it just ha- you know these things happen mm. and they happen going to and it's there's been quite a lot of stuff over the years about the, the Hollywood developing the two similar projects in yeah. completely different studios not knowing really about the other ones happening if you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. I just wonder whether that you feel that maybe happens with some of these series well I think around that sort of time that Boone was around Minder was uh, you know obviously a big successful yeah. another big successful ITV series that mm. was very popular at that time and i mm. do sometimes wonder whether boone came out either sort of off the back of that you know like oh mm. this formula works really well we could mm. probably launch something not dissimilar but you know on different lines set in another part of the country and you know to to work this same same kind of formula or it could possibly be you know that you know minder was very successful and it's at that time and 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 perhaps they were thinking well you know minder's been around for a while maybe we need something you know minder might not keep Mm. continuing that that success perhaps we need a new vehicle similar to that you know and let's let's see what else we could do maybe that's where Boone came from it's it's i don't know i mean it's it's because it was very much the nine o'clock midweek mm, drama wasn't it, it yeah was, or, or early week drama, mm-hmm. it was like monday tuesday nine o'clock sort of that that's always been a well it, well, it was always a popular slot for that kind of thing see yeah. I, i'm again sometimes i forget that itv was a regional thing yeah back then you know you had granada you had thames you had mm-hmm. all, all the various you had central and i i mean sometimes granada would would sort of look at thames having the sweeney and go fancy a bit of that and they'll mm-hmm. make strangers because they want a police show on the network yeah and i just wondered whether boone had a little bit of that going on or oh, we like mind and we want we want a network show based in birmingham <laughs> mm, I, I i wonder that too because you know it's it, 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 
It's got because then we get things like because you know, Scotland will say, "Oh, but we've got Taggart, mate. Should we do Taggart?" <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's almost like each region wanted its own version. Yeah, possibly. It sometimes I don't know. happens, doesn't May, it? Maybe. I, I, I just maybe. wondered if, if yeah. that was one of the factors. So, is there anything else about Boone that crosses your mind? Just one, just a little bit of tidbit here again is. Oh. Okay. Boone was actually uh, Christopher Eccleston was an early role for Christopher Eccleston, who appears wow. later on in the series. Oh, okay. So uh, I think that's kind of a, a first sort of an early first role for him. An early spotting. Yes. An early spotting yes. of him. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, we all have to start somewhere, don't we? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Are there any other famous faces to keep an eye out for? Um, there's a number of guest stars that appear from time to time. Uh, Amanda Burton appeared a few times in it, and there were there were other characters I can't necessarily recall. Um, and and of course I'm I'm you know I'm still working my way through the series, so other characters may pop up from time to time. But uh, yeah, it's it's yeah that they did have a number of you know sort of known, well-known actors and actresses you know appearing in the show as guests characters from time to time so you do do spot some interesting faces yeah. when you're watching the series which just keeps it fresh and entertaining i think uh, I'm, I'm just having a quick glimpse at the old uh, so they, they were making them in 30 batches of 13 14 a year it was, mm. it was that structure so the, you know, yeah there's the seven series of about 13 14 episodes so mm. this was one of those quarterly dramas that you know, they would make enough to do three months on screen so mm-hmm. it, it's a definite hit yeah yeah, absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. it's a big hit, hit at the yeah. time I don't actually remember ever being re-shown. Certainly not when I was in England. Oh, okay. No. But whether it's been re-shown since, I don't know. But well, up until till we left England uh, around yeah. 2014, I don't ever remember it being re-shown, which surprised me for such a popular series of its of its time. A lot of things disappeared off to satellite stations mm. and were never heard of again. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. So it's been it's been great to to find and track down a copy and and rewatch it, and I think I'm enjoying it. So much more. That was the beauty of sort of afternoon drama in the seventies. You could watch mm. things like Public Eye and Callan, but I don't mm-hmm. think it, the, these kind of shows got as much of that sort of daytime afternoon repeat as they might otherwise have done in an no, earlier I don't, era. I don't think they did. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Because like I said, huge hit. How how many episodes did you say? Ninety three. Ninety three episodes. Yeah. You know, you would kind of think that's a big chunk of telly to sell mm-hmm. on and and fill schedules. If you're struggling to fill schedules, it's surprising how it's kind of just sort of evaporated hmm yeah yeah I, I, I often surprises me that i mean that's 93 hours of television there mm. and, and you're going to watch every one of them ah probably <laughs> <laughs> i expect so i've just spotted bridget Forsyth's in it as well yes yes that was the one of the other actresses i was trying to think of i kept thinking of the likely lads and i couldn't quite place who i was uh, thinking of from the likely Thelma lads. dearest yes Thelma dearest <laughs> She stalked us for a while, you know. Yes. <laughs> well, I may have mentioned this before, but we got stalked by Bridget Forsyth. We, we, oh, really? When, when, back in the day when we used to go to the theatre, yeah. quite often she would turn up at the same time and we thought, what's she doing following us? Of course, that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> but we, kept, we started spot, you know, doing our Bridget spotting because it was really ah. getting quite weird. It was about three or four times, you know. What, what, how, 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 how does this happen? But there we go. Big, bit of a fan of Bridget. Yeah. Of so, as we're rattling around the bees, mm-hmm. another series from the 80s, uh, uh, beginning with B. <laughs> yes. Not that this is really the theme of the day. It's another one of your favourites, so I thought we might have a, f- a few words about the Beck trilogy. Oh, I love the Beck trilogy. 
absolutely and we should really it. do a full hour on the on the Bidebeck trilogy and maybe we will one day but we can go we can go through the highlights today this is sure. a, an alan plater series isn't yep. it? yeah wonderful writer one of my favorite mm. writers television writers yes yeah absolutely love this series probably seen this series you know re-watched this probably more than any other drama series or, or this type of series i can think of for me personally mm. and i have the the book as well which i probably read 20 times at least mm. uh, and love it every time i read it it's uh, it's a great go-to for me but uh, yeah love this series love we the love the characters James Bolan, barbara flynn mm, yeah and of course if we want to slightly connect with love joy you've got dudley sutton in there as well so. dudley sutton Yes, yeah, absolutely fabulous characters, great writing, just, yeah, and fantastic scripts. Yeah, I just love all all the sort of quirkiness of it. And I, th- I think the interesting thing, again, is considering what we were talking about earlier, very much in Barbara Flynn as Jill Swinburne, one of those astonishing roles for, for a female performer yes. in, in an era when where there were not many about, and she absolutely sort of knocks it out of the park oh she? totally it's, yeah it's, i mean she, she's probably the strongest character in in the entire in the entire series definitely the strongest character there mm. <laughs> and then you've got james boland who just kind of you know bumbles along behind average size trevor chaplin average size trevor chaplin with the uh, jazz <laughs> in his ears and uh, yes. talking about football quite a lot uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> not a lot else but yeah, the woodwork, the, the the lovely woodwork teacher who has stands up for his principles when called upon. Indeed, it's very. It's actually, I I think it's it's quite a subversive series. It is uh, in in a way it that is. a lot of Alan Plater's writing is. Yeah. It sneaks a lot of digs into government cuts and things. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. Its run. I mean, basically, you've got three series of this. You've got the Biderbeck affair, which is a six-part mm-hmm. story. Yeah. One of those. It's a kind of Yorkshire film noir, really, but. It's not film noir in the in the dark dark murdery sense of the word. It's a small it's a small but large yes. conspiracy. Yes. Then you get the Biderbeck tapes, which was a two part uh, set on a mostly mm-hmm. on seems to be on ferries, and then you get the connection for the third yes. series, which is another four part serial. So. Yes, as I say, wonderful wonderful series. And what I think for me, you know, a connection that I make with it is, you know, mm. the series was, you know, the, the, these were from uh, 1985 to 1988 and of course mm. for me personally I've, I finished secondary school myself mm. in 1982 so mm. the school I went to was not entirely dissimilar to the one yes. in, in the series you know obviously the, the school I went to was uh, 1300 kids and uh, it was it was a big school but it had a lot of older buildings but it had a lot of new buildings that were just like the ones in the Mm. series and i do remember there being lots of stairs up and down to different levels that never really made a lot of sense in some of those buildings which is a feature of the series where they have to go downstairs to get up to another level and then they have to go back up the Mm. stairs somewhere else to to get back to the level because there's no straight corridor all the way along and that seemed to be a very 70s building style of that there's a very beautiful sequence as well isn't there Mm. in um I think it's Biderbeck Affair, where they, they're trying to find a particular office in the town hall. Oh, and they keep changing the names on the doors. And the names on the doors keep changing, and the corridors keep changing. Yeah, and, and it makes just, no sense. And, it, and, and I, I feel that that somehow has a lot to say about bureaucracy 
in such an elegant way. It's it's a beautiful series. It uh, is. It's it's like people should seek it out. Certainly. I think it's what what I love about the series is every scene mm. is beautifully done. It's cleverly done. Mm. There's 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 mm. little visual humor and jokes and and points that they're getting across in mm. every single scene they're making mm. there's, there's a comment a social comment of some sort mm. and and it's just beautifully put together the characters the timing of the characters mm. they're just yeah it's i just love this series and, and it, it, well certainly the original six-part series is, is it's a steel trap of a story as mm. well isn't it i mean yeah. every everything connects yeah. everything within it connects and mm -hmm. these tiny tiny little you know things like <laughs> exploding hedge trimmers and yeah. what have you everything comes to this massive conspiracy featuring james lovely james grout yeah. we, we like james grout mm -hmm. a lot in things yes uh, as as basically a a dodgy counselor oh, yeah. and i feel that certainly alan plater in this is is absolutely he's he's hitting his targets time and time again. He really doesn't like government. He really doesn't like government cuts. He really doesn't like what's happening in the world. Oh, absolutely. And um, and yet he's very understanding mm -hmm. of what it is that brings children to break greenhouses, which I think is... Yeah, yeah. And I just, I you know, for me, I just love the way that the, the series starts with all these completely unrelated events that all mm. eventually become interconnected. And it's all about this this wonderful, clever interplay between the characters that mm. is really the the core focus uh, of of each of, of each series. It's sharp dialogue, isn't it? It's yeah. really sharp dialogue. And, and and then you've got this wonderful rumbling sort of background of jazz music all the way through mm. it. And mm. are you a fan of jazz? I wasn't. A lot of people just hate it with a passion for no just because it's jazz for some reason. Prior to seeing the Beck trilogy mm. i i wasn't into jazz at all but having no. watched the Beck trilogy a number of times i really quite like and enjoy jazz now mm. as a result of this tv series it changed oh, my view on jazz uh, and i it does I, have quite the soundtrack doesn't it, it does and <laughs> i i've been to see you know jazz bands play live and thoroughly yeah. enjoyed myself and and i enjoyed the music but i i like particular types of jazz that i've discovered and, and it's all because of this show i don't think i would ever so have found an you've interest been indoctrinated by plater yeah i think i have <laughs> yeah and i think that you know but one of the things i discovered about this series fairly recently and which surprised me considering you know i've been a fan of this series for for sort of you know since it came out mm. Mm. Is and I didn't know this is that the whole of the the Beck trilogy was actually a sequel to oh, to get lost, to get lost yes. which I've never seen. Have you not? And I, I think it's actually on the on the DVD set somewhere. There is. is there I did discover that there is. You see, I have the original box DVD set, ah. uh, but I discovered that they they released a twenty first century box set that right. does include get lost but because mm. i already had the box set i never looked for another one so i right. never realized that get lost was was included in in this other set so mm. um yeah so it's kind of interesting that i for me i i didn't know about get lost and and now i'm trying to track it down and, <laughs> and i don't have it but, oh, um, yeah, I mean, as I say, I, uh, I mean, there was a, there was a box set that I I bought, which does have as an extra somewhere, yeah. and, it, and it's because it also features the CD of the music as well, which is yeah, I have, I have the vinyl record of, mm -hmm. the, of ah. the music, but 
but yeah i would love to see get lost because i didn't know about that previously i'd like to see how it sort of interconnects with the with the whole series but uh, yeah that was a, a new thing for me that i, I recently and of course, uh, features the rather wonderful alan armstrong in the league. oh yes 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 and it's uh, again lots of connections because you've got <laughs> apparently the main character names you've got keaton goes to chaplin <laughs> Yes, there's there's some great sort <laughs> and of and thread gold goes to Swinburne because they're goalkeepers. Yes, <laughs> which are the two Alan Plater's great passions. Yes, so there we go. yeah, there's some there's some very lovely sort of connections there uh, and subtle connections and things with some of the the characters. But yeah, but the, yeah, the whole interaction with Big Alan Little Norm is 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 really mm. quite quite wonderful in the stories. The only thing I, I I was always very sort of slightly curious about is that in the book, I don't know if you've actually read the books, you know, read the book, that in the Beiderbeck tapes, which is tapes. in the tapes where they're uh, traveling around and on ferries quite a lot, as you, as you mentioned. It was relocated from Greece, yes. From Greece to Amsterdam, I believe. Yes, and I always wondered, uh, and, and it sh- instead of being the, the the Scottish band that come out and def- sort of punch up the the sinister men in black suits, hmm. it's it's all the owl and all of his mates, building mates that in the book. And I always wondered why they changed that. Basically, I think what happened was, from what I remember, it's budget mostly. It's Yorkshire Television. They never. Mm. They were two eight to rub together. Yeah, I did think but that. I suppose he went off, and for some reason they had to postpone the filming, mm-hmm. and so he went off and he just wrote the book. And I think the it's the it's of the three, it's the one where the book was before the series. If you yes, the the um, tapes and connection, the book was written first, but affair, the book was written afterwards. That's right, if I remember and rightly. So I think what happened was when when Yorkshire Television said, "Well, we can't afford Greece." Hmm. we'll go to scotland (laughs) yeah i guess they blew all the money on going to uh amsterdam something like that but yeah that that's that's the main reason i think it was uh Uh, i i did i often thought it was probably down to budget but i did find it a little annoying that they changed it (laughs) it's like uh so uh, are you are you because I what I do like uh, mm-hmm. I mean because there's a lot of uh, film quotes and as, as, yes. as you might know I, yeah. I mean I, I like my films as, mm-hmm. as much as I, certainly my old films as yeah much as I like as, as do I but are you a fan of noir because it, it does seem to riff very much on the on the yeah. film noir yeah I, I do do enjoy that genre of film as well particularly and and the, yes there are some there's some quite nice connections with that uh, throughout the series yeah. So what is it that that sticks with you from from Beiderbecke, apart from the music? I well, mean, is, I think is it just the sparkling dialogue. I mean, because I, I just I, it, within it, mm-hmm. I think that the the character, like you said, like you said the characters are absolutely. I mean, they are timeless, mm. but they are wonderful. Every single word out of all their mouths is just is just absolute gold isn't oh it is as a writer yeah. alan plato writes if, you, if you've seen any of his work for other sh- i mean obviously he, he wrote fortunes of war you mm-hmm. know which is another show that people seem to have almost forgotten about these days but wonderful 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 writing yeah but he always he seemed to take a very he was very much siding with the underdog in uh, in his you know police because he was you know like a lot of these writers writer for hire you know lots of lots of shows yeah but so he would he would write for things like softly softly mm-hmm. and stuff but he always seemed to have 
he had sympathy for the underdog if you see what yeah. i mean and yeah. uh, and i think that comes through it's a very it's a very he's a very warm writer in yeah. that sense i mean there's a lot of there are a lot of angry writers writing for television and a lot of their anger sometimes is hidden mm -hmm. very well but you can you can sense the anger anger but it's actually written so beautifully that it might be it might sort of pass people by that they're actually being got at you know yeah yeah, there's a lot of very subtle subtlety in, in the series um, against the establishment, against government, against, uh, you know, the, the, just the school system as well, mm. and against the police in many ways, because they're quite ridiculed, the characters, if, if you... If you can, you know, you recall the the oh the police the, constable yes, yes. The, the the two idiot coppers yeah. and then there's the detective sergeant with his PhD, yeah Hobson. But Hobson. again, that that is showing how policing was changing. Yeah, as well. exactly. And again, I mean, yeah, that, that when you've written enough softly, softly, mm -hmm. you're sort of kind of familiar with that. But I, but I think the the fascinating thing again yeah. is these things are peppered with double acts, aren't they? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, you've got these bouncing got these off double of one another, and or triple acts when Dudley Sutton joins them at the dinner table. Yes, yes, that's so. But these small acts of quiet rebellion are are, are to die for. They are gorgeous, mm. and uh, I think uh, so. And of course, unusually perhaps, but some really really strong performances from from the uh, the kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. New feature. I mean, because obviously it's set in a school. There are mm. a lot of you know, and and I think, but overall, but I mean, it's just beautifully structured. I think it's, it I think is it's a great show. It, it, it's it truly really is. one of those shows that people should. I, see. I also think, for me, and I, I I don't know whether this is just me or or whether other people kind of see this in there, but um, and and I I tend to associate this particularly with two characters really, mm. with Big Al because you know he he'll he's kind of a an interesting thoughtful character but i also mm. kind of when it, when some of the way that and some of the lines and and thought processes of trevor chaplin's character mm. i find quite philosophical it's mm. almost like a way of thinking it's quite sort of i don't know it's that that spiritual way of thinking about things in a different way mm. you know there's there's a particular line i think uh, at the end of connection where they're standing on the shore throwing mm. stones into the water and and i think her ex-husband mm. says you know why do you let her push her around and he says and, and then he kind of turns around and he says you see that that's the sea it's been coming in and out for thousands of years uh, nobody's ever been able to stop it from doing that so i just go with the flow and, and i just think <laughs> in a way that's his whole kind of his whole approach you know the whole thing about you know mm. not you know, being a woodwork teacher, but not finding that a boring thing to do, because you know that's the perception of other people mm. in, in the series. They see his his character as being quite dull and boring, but he's not in a way. Yeah. He has this this very sort of gentle philosophy about you know I can't beat life, so I kind of go with it. But I enjoy mm. my the things that I enjoy as part of that process, but he mm. goes along with the other characters in that. And I think Big Al, in a way, is is in that same kind of vein, but he's mm. he's more sort of poignant about projecting that, whereas... And the good you can the do. The good you can and do and how you can change things and how you in can... small ways. Yeah, whereas Trevor is... is ah, he's, he's sort of a more goes with the fl it's a subtler thing with him he'll say say things i think there's a warmth to it it, it, it there's a real mm. warmth to the program but i think there's also a, a, a wonderful 
in, in many ways there's a sort of meta-textual thing going on you know, where they literally they literally go off into the sunset and all this kind of thing yeah you know? i think plato in in that show is is definitely playing with us but it is mm. it's just so richly written and and yeah. you know it's it, it's strange because like you say there's there's 93 episodes of boon yeah there's there's 12 maybe maybe if you talk about running time maybe 13 of of the bite mm-hmm. do you feel you could have had more or do you feel that it feels perfect both i think <laughs> i think in a way you want now, more I'll explain yes. this uh, let me explain i think yep. as a trilogy it's just perfect as it is however i kind of also that there is part of me that thinks well it would be interesting to see a little bit further on with mm. their child a little bit more grown up in it and, and just just to see a sort of because it's very 80s i it's almost like i'd like to have seen a sort of 90s yes like you know another connection sort of thing with it just to see quite just quite where it, it doesn't have to be sort of you know like you know that 20 years later i'm just thinking a few years mm. later i'd just be curious to see where it went from that point of view I think certainly there is a there is a definite sense sometimes with with characters. Sometimes you just want to spend more time with characters that you like, don't you? And I think that's probably where where my thoughts on seeing where they were in, in sort of five years' time comes from. It's just mm. I love spending time watching those characters or, or sort of being with them, and, and and it's it's yeah, it would be nice to have some more time with them, <laughs> if you know what I well, mean. Alas, it's not to be. No, but, uh... no. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll doubtless get together transatlantically again and uh, (laughs) try and find something else to talk about. You take care. You too. Thank you very much, Martin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Many thanks to Rick Lawler for reminding me about Boone and for letting me wallow once again, however briefly, in the sublime world of Jill Swinburne and Trevor Chaplin, a place we really must head back to in more detail sometime very soon. And that's it for yet another week here on Vision on Sound. I hope that you've enjoyed being with us, and if you do, your feedback is always welcome via at VisionOnSound1 on Twitter, or you can even send an email to vos at fabradiointernational.com. And don't forget to spread the word, because the more people who find us, the more people we can get to talk to about this strange world of television. As ever, my thanks go to everyone here at Fab Radio International for everything that they do to make the show possible. And of course, my thanks go out to you for listening. As ever, I have been Martin and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now and take care.